Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. When you become a member, enter Suburban Folk in the podcast that you heard about them. Your host, Greg Rotersheimer, is now a designated financial coach. If your financial situation is causing you stress because of debt, budgeting, or saving for retirement, and anything in between, contact me to discuss how I can coach you to financial success. Email me at greg at suburbanfolk.com or call me at 804-592-1871 for a 15-minute free consultation to get started with your plan. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but... At that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm Greg Rotersheimer, your host. Today's topic is around health, more specifically exercise. In past episodes, when we talk about exercise, a couple of themes tend to come up. One is the need for community to make sure that you stay motivated and are held accountable to stick with your workout routine. And the other is eliminating excuses. The most common are You don't have enough time and you get bored with the same workout routine. My guest today is Ellie Sarmati. She's the founder of UBQ Fit, who seeks to create community and remove some of the excuses that keep us from our workout routines. She's a former Wall Street investment banker who shifted her focus to the entrepreneurial side of business. After over a decade of working in real estate, consulting at Deloitte, getting her MBA from Columbia Business School, investment banking at Morgan Stanley, and some angel investing, in 2018, Ellie decided to innovate from scratch and build UBQ Fit. Thanks, Ellie, for joining the program. Can you kick us off by telling us a little bit more about your background and what inspired you to start UBQ Fit? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. My background, it's kind of a long story, but, um, you know, I've uh, personally, I've lived all over the world with family as I was growing up. You know, my dad was a, was a, was a military. Uh, so, and my mom was an entrepreneur. So we had sort of the polar contrast, I guess, where my dad was super conservative and, you know, always about the rules and the do's and the don'ts. And my mom was all about breaking the rules and, and uh, going for it and swinging, swinging your bat as hard as possible and, and, and that sort of a thing. So that was sort of going up and then sort of living in all, you know, all over the world and uh, eventually settling in in Canada, which is where I was, you know, I did um, sort of high school, high school there and college. And then after that, I moved myself out to the U.S. Really, it was supposed to be a, a six months stint in, in California while I was um applying for um, for master's program and a PhD program. My goal at that point was to become um, 
a, a professor at, at in, an Ivy League. That was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a, an economics prof- professor at a Harvard or, an, or a Columbia or one of those schools. You know, my undergrad was in economics and I was very strong. And one of my professors uh, sort of took me on as his protege was a Harvard grad. And he was really kind of pointing that path for me to go in that direction. And so, you know, I went along with that um, in California right after college doing my applications for for a master's and a PhD. While I was introduced during those times to a Nobel laureate, Robert Mandel, who won the the prize in um, in economics, the Nobel Prize in economics. He was known as the godfather of the euro at the time. It was his theories and his research that led to the creation of the common currency. And so, you know, I was living my dream. I was, you know, this this super inspired by by going to school and becoming a professor in economics and I met the the godfather of Euro, just kind of like walking on clouds. He took a liking toward my 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 aspirations and my drive and and sort of took me on as part of his team while he was traveling. Uh, to do presentations and seminars and things like that. He was traveling the world and I started traveling with him and his team producing content and presentations and sort of managing that whole process while, um, while he was at, at the beginning of, of, of the time. He had just won the Nobel Prize at the point. So he was very, very popular and everyone wanted to have him on panels and on, on co- in conferences and that sort of thing. Um, in any case, he got to know me during these times and he talked me out of going into a PhD program and into going into business. His insights and his experiences in life told him that I'd be much better in business. So anyway, super long story. I uh, changed path. I, I switched from wanting to go into a PhD program and decided to pursue an MBA and go to the, you know, the business path and followed that, followed that from California to then New York, uh, went to business school at Columbia, ended up on Wall Street, worked there for a bunch of years uh, until I really realized that, you know, business in that way, like institutional business was not what drove me was not what excited me. Just just being in something for for the sake of making a living was not what I was inspired by. And that's what Wall Street was. You know, it was all about just making money, making a living, um, making a really great living. But that's all it was about. It wasn't inspired by creating something or really adding value to the world out there. And it just wasn't doing it for me. So I exited and took a took a three month time off from life, from work, from anything. I just wanted to figure out what I was inspired by. I have always been athletic. I grew up athletic. I've been a swimmer, done uh, triathlons. I, ha- I was a gymnast when I was a kid. I, I played basketball. I've, I've done it off yoga to be a yogi. I've you know, cycled 100 milers with teams. And I've done a lot of, a lot of things. And so I wanted to do something that I was excited by, that I would wake up every morning being excited about going to work, about doing that thing that I'm going to do for the next 8, 10, 12, 15 hours every single day. Um, So I I knew I wanted to find something to do in the area of, of fitness, but I didn't exactly know what. So I started investing in consulting startups that had a fitness edge. 
they either you know they're wearable or 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 um you know something to do with health wellness and fitness and and really the idea was like during this experience of investing i would find what i would want to dedicate myself to on a full-time basis slowly moved toward the idea of like wanting to find a startup that i would invest in but i would also join in as a, a, as an early investor and take a wing of that startup and build it you know in a, in, a, in a sense build myself a job by through investing rather than going to find a job you know in search of that for a few years and didn't really find the right opportunity um the stars weren't aligned you know it was the right the right opportunity but the wrong team or the right team but the wrong opportunity just just didn't didn't work itself out so eventually i decided to build something having worked out with personal trainers for you know the 17 years that i was in new york i knew there's a gap in that marketplace trainers have very fragmented schedules some of them work for gyms gyms take a big cut in their income um some of them work for themselves they have to commute from you know one client to another um someone cancels they're on the bench for 2 hours as a result there's just very fragmented schedules it's a it's a tough job but at the same time on the consumer side you know on on you and i and millions and millions of others you know we're always trying to stay committed to our wellness health and fitness right there's there's always challenges we have kids we have work we have motivational stuff there's economic economical stuff you know it's too expensive it's too late there's always something so the idea was that you know this platform that we're creating would make it easier would make it more economical, will make it more accessible uh, for the consumer side. And then we'll also provide an opportunity for the professional side to be able to fill in their gaps, to be able to offer as a result um, the service at a more affordable level. Yeah, which makes entire sense to me, especially sort of cutting out the middleman. In this case, the middleman is the gym. So the personal trainer and the client both will benefit from the uh, relationship that they end up forming. And before we dig in a little bit further to that, I have to ask you, I feel like I hear a lot about burnout for people working in Wall Street. Is that a fairly common thing that people get in and make their money for a certain period of time, but they fully intend to get out because of the high stress and low fulfillment and do other things? Not everyone is a lifer on Wall Street. It's kind of similar to consulting. Consulting is kind of the same as well. There are there is a high percentage of people that get in knowing full well that it's a transitional move for them. That they get in, they 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 build their network, they make some money, they they build the experience and then they have a plan for two years to two to five years after that. Um, it is a very intense career path, and it's not fulfilling for for everybody, right? It's not it's not fulfilling for everybody to to be at that level of intensity just for the money, right? Um, so yes, for sure, you do burn out, and it's not just a burnout; it just becomes unfulfilling for for a lot of people. Maybe even from the standpoint of at the end of the day, I guess, what are you pointing to that is the tangible thing to say, 
I made this or I made a difference with somebody. It probably is a little bit hard when you're talking about financial transactions to bridge that gap. I guess if you want to be very uh, conceptual about it in some shape or form, you're, 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 um, you are making a difference, <laughs> but it's not direct. I, I don't know how else to explain it. You are sort of the, you are, you are the middle, you're the middleman in a transaction. You know, you're bringing the buyer and the seller together and you are getting paid in organizing that transaction. Actually, as an example, and something that I'm doing right now, I've actually just about finished my financial coaching program. And the reason why that is appealing to me is because I'm actually face to face with somebody that I can help them through their financial issues as opposed to being on the transactional part of investing where you don't get to see the person and work with the person and see the improvements and build the relationships. Yeah, in a way. I mean, listen, you you do um, you do sit with CEOs. You know, when you get to the high level when you get to high levels in that industry as an investment banker for instance, you're sitting down with CEOs of public companies and you're figuring out their next transaction, their next M&A. You are face to face, not not at levels I I was at because I exited, right? But if you do make it all the way up to becoming a very senior person, you are. But I mean, different people need different things, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it wasn't fulfilling tip for me. There, there are obviously millions of people that, that stay in that career and, and they make it high up and, uh, you know, that's, that's cool for them. But it just wasn't for me. I wanted to be building things. I wanted to actually you know, ha- get my hands d- dirty in like, okay, there's nothing here. And now there is something here. And I see those people out there that are using it and benefiting from it. That That's what I wanted to do, what I personally wanted to do. Absolutely. One thing that I would assume is universal for anybody working within Wall Street, is I imagine it gives you a really good education in business. So I would think that that gave you a really good grounding when you started to move on and looking at investing and then ultimately starting your own business. I don't know about business so much because you're sitting there, you're doing financial models, you're doing, you know, financial statements and balance sheets and, and figuring out prices for the, the share that's going, the company that's going to go public or, or those sorts of things. It's not so much business, to be honest with you at all. It's... Um, Finance, right? You learn about finance, you do. But the one great thing that I, I mean, I'll, I'll never ever regret anything in life. To me, that's not what, that's not the kind of person I am. I think everything you do in life feeds into who you are today and and builds what you are going to build tomorrow. The biggest takeaway for me in Wall Street was it made me a very strong person in business. I don't get tired. I work around the clock and I don't get tired. Stress doesn't bother me. I get stressed. Don't, you know, everyone gets stressed. I definitely get stressed, but I work through it. You know, it doesn't break me down. It doesn't because I've dealt with very, very high levels of stress in that career, right? I worked around the clock for, you know, three, four years in a row. Um, So it just, everything you do in life gives you gives you something that um, it's a toolbox, you know, it adds to your toolbox to then go do the next thing. 100% no regrets. It was a great, great phase in my life. I was definitely burnt out. There was no room for relationship for family for friends for any of that. (laughs) 
uh, for health, for wellness, for any of it, really. But you know, it was it was a good uh, it was a good time for learning and for building. Every experience has a lesson to be learned, and it shapes you. To your point, uh, so let's dig in a little bit more to your current venture of UBQ Fit. So we did a real quick comparison about a traditional gym being a place that people might go to get a personal trainer. What else are the comparisons or pitfalls even when you say that there's an opportunity in the market that the traditional gym model is not really solving for people? We were, uh, as a society, were moving away from that um, a while back. Um, most people, most people that did engage in their wellness and fitness, were starting to go to even to the gym for classes. For the most part, you know, yes, people would go to go on the cardio machine, but but a lot of people go to classes. They go to yoga class. They go to hit class. They want something specific for their fitness. Gyms were starting to get hyper-focused and, and have been starting to get kind of focused on the classes, right? Classes and personal training sessions. When you go to the gym, or my personal experience anyway, when I went to the gym, well, I haven't been to the gym in a long time, to be honest with you. It's probably five years now. But when I did go to the gym, I would see a few people sprinkled around sort of on the machines and doing their own ways. But most of the people were either with a personal trainer working out or they were in a class, and again, I'm generalizing, like, I know that you said you go to the gym a lot, <laughs> right? And you do your own training and things like that. <laughs> we do go to the gym, but it's very much for what you have described for the other things that are not the treadmill, elliptical. I use the weight machines sparingly, but the main reason is my wife does a lot of the classes like you mentioned and she's gaining a bit of that sense of community and having other people there that keeps her motivated. And frankly, the other thing that we really value is the swimming pool. We don't have a pool at our house and we like to use that. So obviously I can't have a full on lap pool, but I agree with you that the cardio equipment in particular is not really something that entices us to use our gym. It is so boring. I, I cannot imagine going on a treadmill and running on there for, you know, any more than 10 minutes. It's, uh, I mean, maybe you can do it for a little while, but then it's not something you can do every day or five times a week, generally speaking. And that's the reason people fall out. It's just boring, you know, and it's just difficult to get yourself so motivated to make the commute to the gym, go on the cardio machine to do a half hour of cardio and then do that whole commute again. I mean, that's just for cardio, right? And then do that whole commute again to go back home. You know, a, a total of, for most of us, you know, don't live right next to a gym, uh, a total of potentially an hour and a half, two hours of activity for a 30-minute cardio that was just boring. If you're doing weights, you know, kind of similar. You're just going to go and pick up weights. and It's just not fun. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's not fun. There's no one there that's guiding you. There's no one there that's telling you, you know, about the newest and the most scientific ways of getting in shape, of keeping in shape, of not injuring yourself. So you go to classes. Um, so you pay this gym membership and depending on what gym you go to, it could be pretty steep. You make that whole trip again and you go to attend this class. A lot of times you don't know anyone in the class, but you're happy that you're there and there are other people doing it because that motivates you. Other people are doing something similar to you. It's, it's motivating. There's good music. 
there's an instructor, you know, someone's holding me accountable. So it just kind of keeps you going, right? So the idea with Ubiquifit is um, that, uh, you know, first of all, you don't have to do the, the commute. It's, you don't have a membership. Uh, there's variety because we're a marketplace platform. You can find anywhere. If, if today you want to do meditation, you can do a meditation. If tomorrow you want to do yoga, you can do yoga. The next day you can do, you can have a session with a registered dietitian. Then you can do a head workout. If you're into martial arts, you can do a jiu-jitsu class with a professional fighter. And these categories are meant to grow as, as long as there's a demand and supply um, for the category. So, you know, uh, there's variety. You could be doing things to keep fit and, and enjoy your experience that you never even imagined. But you see the category and you're like, well, I'd like to try that. You know, and so it just keeps it spicy and keeps it fun. And then there is a live person on the other side, right? That is going to come, you click the button and he or she is right there talking with you. There's a human interaction, someone who knows their stuff and knows how to lead you, how to keep you safe, how to keep it exciting, how to customize 100% to you. It's a one-on-one session. And do you think that it is the same target market for who would be motivated by having the one-on-one interaction as compared to maybe the gym rat that actually does use the gym in the way we're saying we don't? (laughs) My thought about this is that it's not meant to completely replace your gym attendance or the one-on-one, you know, just a sort of uh, in-person experience. This is meant to supplement. It's, you can get it at a much economical uh, at a much uh, economical level because of the way it's organized, you know, trainers and the professionals plug in the gaps in their schedules. They don't have to be on Ubiquifate eight hours a day. They'll plug in a half hour here, one hour there, two hours here when they have gaps in their schedule. And so they can afford to offer out their services at a more affordable level as a result, because those were hours they weren't going to make money before. Um, and on the other side, as a consumer, as, as, as someone who wants to, to work with, with these professionals, I'm able to get it at, at a significantly lower price uh, than I would have at the gym. One, because the gym takes you know anywhere from 50 to 70% of the revenue of the trainer. So I end up paying a lot more for that trainer. And two, because you know these trainers are now offering their services during gaps where they were going to potentially make nothing so they can afford to um, offer it out at a, at a cheaper price. So I'm benefiting from it, right? But it doesn't mean that I don't want to go to the gym twice a week, maybe, and then supplement it with, with the online when I can't go to the gym. Maybe I get off work too late. Maybe I'm on a work trip. Maybe I have kids. You know, I do have kids. I have a, a three-year-old and a four-year-old, and I am really busy during the day. So I really open up after 7.30, and by 7.30, the gyms are closed. There's no personal trainers. There's no classes. So, you know, it's supplementing what you already do um, to keep things going um, and, and making it more convenient. And something that actually came to mind before we started our conversation as I was thinking of the model Yes, my mind, of course, does go to the comparison of the traditional gym, but you mentioned jujitsu as a, an example of a type of class. And for anybody that's 
gone to a martial arts studio or certain dedicated dance studios, those are expensive as well. So I would think they could also use the service to get a sampling of different kinds of things. And hey, if you're really into it, then you can go to a dedicated place that really gets into that particular martial art or again, a dance or something like that. But you can sample here <laughs> rather than paying that extra amount of money. It's almost like when cable TV <laughs> was going down, the argument is that why would I pay for all these channels when I'm only using a few of them? Well, hey, this fits in the middle where you can just get a little bit of it and then figure out really where your interests lie before you drop a bunch of money on a bunch of different memberships and places to go. And you're not even really sure if you're going to use that service that you just paid for. 100%. That's one way to look at it too. And you may just love to do it this way too. You know, it might end up making more sense. You might be able to grab Master Phil, who has had 375 fights, who is on Ubiqua Fit. You could maybe you really love to work out with him, and he's all the way out in New Jersey, and you don't, you can't access him. So you get on Ubiqua Fit and you work out with him uh, for your Jiu Jitsu workout. You know, so that's another that's another thing is like, okay, in your local area, you may not have everything that you might want to do. You may not have the instructor that you're inspired by. But as we scale, we are going global. So you can get instructors in a lot of different geographies doing a lot of different things that you wouldn't necessarily have access to. Uh, That's a great point. As somebody that lives in a small to medium sized town, I've not necessarily sought out any particular type of exercise or discipline that I haven't been able to find, but certainly it is very possible, depending on how specific you get, that you wouldn't otherwise have access to certain level of expertise. So it does fill that purpose as well. And something else that I'm curious if you found as people continue to use the site What about people that are just deterred from the gym because they don't want other people looking at them (laughs) when they're working out, especially if they're brand new to an exercise regimen? For sure. We have have classes where it's a one-way interaction where no one sees you, no one hears you. You see them, you hear them. If you want to ask questions, you can throw your questions in the chat, but you can do absolutely as far as um, others knowing that you're there. You, you know, you can be completely private. So, you know, that's a solution for people that don't want to be seen, you know, or they can just watch free content and work out to those. There's a lot of ways that people can engage with us. And we built it specifically this way because I wanted to build something that added value to everybody. So you can be on the platform for free and doing workouts and watching workouts and doing workouts for free and just check things out until you decide you want to commit to the next level. Then you can do a class, you know, which way where you sign up and your username shows up, but not your face, not your voice, nothing about you other than your username shows up in the session. Or you can then take the next level if you're inspired to do a one-on-one and get that customized workout with a real professional. And as the site grows, people also have the ability to team up with others to be motivations for each other. Is that correct? Or am I just making that up? Yeah, we're building that now. We're building uh, teams. We're building game. We we call these gamifications. So it gives you an incentive where you gain points by working out, by doing activities that that promote your health and wellness. 
Um, and those points, you can compare it with your friends. So you can sort of be on, on, on a, you know, kind of make it a little competitive to add an edge to the activity if that's what you choose to do. So you can add friends to your profile that are, you know, could be friends you know from outside or it could be people you met on, on, uh, on Ubiquifit. You can tag them as your friends and then their stats show up and you can compare your stats together. We're, we're building all that. So, um, so yeah, for sure, we want to make it a lot more interactive and let people sort of get to know each other and build social and community and support while they're on the platform. It's, it's not there right this second, but it's coming very soon in the next couple of months. More that people start to adopt it, the more interactive it can be. And obviously... Uh, everything can't be <laughs> built at once. And I know you're uh, right in the middle of getting all of that set up. So that sounds really, really cool. And for my primary mode of workout, which is running, I use an app called Strava and th- they do a lot of that competitive uh, type of challenges and things like that. Yeah. But you know, our, our motive is that it doesn't just have to be competitive, right? When you set a goal in life, it gives you something to work toward, Right. And, and to set a goal of like, oh, I need to lose X amount of pounds. It's not very motivating. It's, it's sort of like coming at it from the negative perspective of I'm not good now. I'm trying to get good or, you know, it, it's, it's just it puts a negative mindset versus, you know, in developing points that you're trying to get to. Yes, you're going to lose those pounds and you're going to get in shape and you're going to become healthy. But you're driving to points, you know, you're driving to things that it's, it's more motivational to set goals like that than, you know, weight goals in, in our view. Yeah. And, and actually to relate to that, uh, when I was doing my marathon training that, of course, <laughs> didn't end up uh, getting to have the actual race because of all of the quarantines. But I, I made the point at the time that because my focus was on the time and what I wanted to achieve for myself, uh, anything that was a body change was secondary, but, you know, sort of after I got through a lot of the training, I looked in the mirror and said, wow, my waistline's looking pretty good. The, my, my midsection's looking as good as it has for a while without even paying attention to it. Definitely. 100%. That's how it works. The best shape I've ever been in my entire life was when I was doing yoga seven days a week. And I was doing yoga seven days a week because I was a consultant. I was on the road. Um, I would leave on Monday at 5 a.m. I would come back home on Friday at 11 p.m. And then Friday, like Saturday and Sunday was just, you know, recovering to leave again on Monday. So I would do yoga on a, on a DVD back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm dating myself now um, in my hotel room when I was on my consulting trip. And it wasn't about losing weight. I didn't have time to think about it, although I did have pounds to lose. It was just about sanity and, you know, relaxation and just getting some breathing in and things like that. But I got in such an amazing shape from that experience. I was, I literally did seven days of yoga for about six months straight. I have never been that tone in my entire life. When you set your mind on something that's separate from the body goals, you know, the body image goals, we always achieve better better results in my, in my personal opinion. It puts a positive spin on, yeah, yeah on, on what you're trying to do and doesn't focus on 
the end goal. And actually, that's another thing that I've preached as a lesson learned for the marathon that, of course, ended up getting canceled that because I was so focused on a Boston qualifying time, I started to not appreciate the journey like I should have. And then that made the fact that the race got canceled even more of a bitter taste in my mouth. And the lesson there is you need to appreciate the journey. You need to appreciate those incremental goals and what you're doing, because if you put all of your expectations in just that final essentially number on a scale or, or, or in my case, you know, a number on a time clock, you're really going to miss out on what the appreciation of the journey should be. 100%. Life is a journey. It's not a destination. Life is a journey. Every day matters. Every experience matters. So let's switch over a little bit to the personal trainer's experience being on the site. What would they expect when they would first put their profile up, start to offer what their uh, certain classes are uh, and trying to gain clients as compared to what they'd be used to with the traditional model. You mentioned, of course, downtime. Uh, You've got less people because you're only talking about people that are in your local area, whereas online, it's essentially the world. But what else would they be expecting when they first become a part of the site that they wouldn't necessarily be getting being an employee of the gym? Well, first and foremost, they're building their own business online, which is something new for a lot of people. There are there are personal trainers that have been doing it for a while, um, but, it, but it's uh, not big numbers at all. So majority of the people in this profession, personal trainers, registered dietitians, you know, these sort of um, professional fighters that... They only make money when they're fighting, right? And then the rest of the year, they don't unless they have a gym where they're teaching at. And some some do and some don't. You know, they're building their business. They're building their online business. So that's the first thing that's different from working at the gym. The world is going online. And it's not just fitness. It's not just fitness and wellness. It's, it's everything, right? And it, and it doesn't mean that we're going to live in this sort of online world for the rest of our lives. It just means that online is becoming a bigger and, you know, digital is becoming a bigger and bigger part of our lives. 10 years ago, going to the mall was commonplace. Today, you know, I do almost zero shopping at the mall. I do everything online. It's easier. It's more enjoyable for me. I don't have to like fight the crowds and the traffic and go and try to find my perfect size and the perfect style, I, you know, it's, it's much, much easier. I can find discounts. It's, it's, it's another world. And, and so everything else is moving in that direction too. Whole foods and grocery stores all have online, you know, online grocery shopping and delivery. We don't, not everyone wants to go into the grocery store. And it's not just because of COVID. COVID obviously pushed everything forward as far as that movement was concerned. But all this was happening pre-COVID. We're becoming much more technological and savvy. We're becoming much more and more busy with technology because technology makes us more productive and gives us more things to do. And so we're looking for easier ways to get things done and online is a place to be. So they're building their business. They're filling their gaps. Like I described, instead of having to commute for every single client, they can go online and train some of their clients online. 
so they can build a bigger business, more clients, they can train more clients. So, which is also a huge difference from being at the gym or having their own sort of um, offline business. I mean, I even, I even really like the fact that somebody that otherwise wouldn't be getting into the nuts and bolts of creating their own business because they're operating more like an employee, of course, has that opportunity and can have that learning experience. And going back to the very beginning of our conversation, there is lessons to be gained from any experience. And this would certainly remove a lot of barriers for somebody that is wanting to create their own business and form relationships directly with consumers without having to have this other entity to be able to fill the gap for them. 100%. And you know, in the end, personal trainers and um, nutritionists, most of most of these careers, most people that engage themselves in these careers just really want to make a difference. You know, they want to they want to teach people how to be better. Uh, and this is their outlet. You know, fitness has been their outlet or nutrition has been their outlet. And, you know, they're not just in it to become rich. That's not the kinds of people they are, generally speaking. They want to make a difference. They want to help people. And that's what you hear every trainer say, I want to help people, you know. And so we give them the outlet to do that at mass versus like, okay, you know, you got to go to a gym. They take 70% of your income and, Maybe you'll make it, maybe you won't. Maybe you will get clients, maybe you won't. So it's just sort of giving them another outlet to express themselves and express that that you know that um, desire to make a difference to help people. The other beauty of things going online is they don't have to spend a ton of money to see if starting a business can work for them. It's all pretty much ready to go, sticking with the same example. They don't have to go buy commercial space to build their own gym to then bring people in to do that. Online is allowing them to presumably do it from their house. They're not having to spend a lot of money for startup costs. And so they can not be afraid to fail at something, which is, I think, a very powerful thing and would stop a lot of people from pursuing something like this. And do you have a sense of what the cost structure is for personal trainers that are working in an established gym? Meaning if I pay X amount for a session with a personal trainer, what percentage actually goes to that trainer as compared to what just goes back to the gym itself? Depending on the gym and depending on the trainer, it can be anywhere from, um, 50% to 70% going to the gym. Wow. So, so the majority then. Yeah, it's pretty steep. I mean, I I can't speak for every single gym, but on average, there's a significant part of it goes to the gym. Which also just shows the point again of if you see personal trainer rates and think, wow, (laughs) must pay really well to be a personal trainer. That's not necessarily true because a a large portion of that is going to their place of employment, not necessarily directly to them. Well, personal training is the gym's bread and butter, right? Because they they charge a, a a monthly subscription, a monthly membership fee. The classes are free, right? The classes are so that you keep paying for your monthly membership. Um, so the classes are a cost center, actually, right? They don't make them money. They just keep people that have bought membership. 
And then the personal training is really where all the profits come in. Uh, I was going to Equinox um, in when I was in New York, um, and literally, you stepped into the gym, you would have three personal trainers come talk to you, <laughs> you know, because that was the model. The model was they need to catch you right as soon as you become a member so that you start to buy those personal training packages day one. You know, they don't want you to lose one day not buying personal training packages. Um, you know, it's done in a very, you know, soft, in a nice way. It's not, it's just, they don't attack you or like make you feel very salesy or anything like that, but that's the model. Well, I'll have to give a little bit of kudos to my gym. As far as I'm aware, I don't think I've been approached for any personal training sessions. Maybe I just look unapproachable and they don't want to talk to me, <laughs> but. That could be it. That could be it. <laughs> And then there are some gyms, there are some smaller gyms that hire the trainer. So then it's not the same sort of incentive, right? They are, the trainers could be on, on a salary. Um, but yeah, it's just different gyms have different sort of levels of, of, <laughs> of sort of being aggressive about it. But I know Equinox was very front and center with respect to the personal training programs. And yeah, I, I tend to... I don't want to say feel bad for those folks, but you know, especially for the models where they, yeah, they get amazing. I mean, it's a win-win. They, they get amazing. It's kind of a win-win. It's very transitional. People don't stay at Equinox forever for that same reason as people don't stay in investment banking. It's a transitional thing. They know that they're going to get great training. They get a, they get a great brand on their resume and then they can move on to other things. So they come in accepting these, you know, high cuts in what they earn but they know that they can end up in good places, right? They, a lot of them move on to start up their own gyms or they come up with a product that they can then market or they move on to other jobs that pay better. So it's a, you know, it is what it is. That's how it works. Yeah. As long as everybody understands what uh, they're getting when they go in, that's really, I guess, all you can ask for. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about quarantine and what that has done for your model. And then also, what do you think it's going to look like in the future, like a year or more from now? Do you think that it's just accelerating the inevitable, which I think you alluded to when talking about things going online or has quarantine and a pandemic shifted things in some way that we won't see change? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, what uh, COVID-19 has done for us is ha it has given us a new realization of um, working from home, working out from home, you know, um, ordering our food for a grocery store, from grocery stores, shopping online, all these things that many of us were already doing, but maybe not at this level. We're now doing almost 100 percent, you know, most of us or maybe 95%, depending on where we live. It's just made us realize that there is another way. And maybe that way is interesting, right? Now, when things go back to normal, are we going to do everything from home? Of course not. We're going to go back to living our lives, right? We're going to we're gonna go to the gym. We're going to uh, go to the office. We're, we're, we're going to go back to all those um, ways of doing things, but we'll supplement more with online because we realize that there is another way that's actually pretty convenient, right? Like I have really enjoyed working from home. Um, initially, it was a pain because I was working from home, but now I get to see 
my kids in the morning and my kids at night where I didn't get to see them before because I work a lot of hours. I didn't get to see them every day or every night. Um, you know, or they get to just come into the office for five minutes and, and play with me. You know, I get a lot more work done working from home um, than I did before. There's no disruptions. I'm just literally sort of, you know, on my chat. I'm on my Slack. I'm I'm having my conference calls, but no one's coming chit chatting with me. <laughs> you know, which is which is great to have those social moments, obviously. But those things were actually really taking a lot of time out of my schedule previously, and they're not now. Same with fitness, you know, we're, we're going to go back to the gym, we're going, going to go back to those classes. But now we've been introduced to this new way of, of doing fitness. And some of us are gonna keep a much higher level of it in our lives. Um, once things go back to normal, right, we realize that it could be cheaper, it could be anytime we want any place we want, we can really get quality fitness in where we maybe didn't even try it before, right? So that's what I think is going to happen. It's a good point about remote work and the commute, of course, is one of the first things that comes to mind for me, for people that were working in an office and now are at home. And I'm not exactly sure what the average commute is, but let's say it's a half hour each way. Well, Right there's your workout, and you didn't lose any more time in your day. So, from, right, that's from, one hour, right? It, half hour there, half hour back at the minimum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that that's even a, a dream commute, I'm sure, for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, uh, you know, one one more way that the excuse for why you don't have time to work out is going away, and, and something else actually that for me personally is a convenience. I really like working out in the middle of the day when I can. I like doing it during my lunch hour. I'm not great at getting up early in the morning and going. And then of course, anybody that thinks they're going to go regularly at night, unless you are one of those hardcore gym rats, I don't think, I don't think many people make it. Yeah. Cause you're just exhausted and the allure of the couch is just too great. You don't really <laughs> keep it up. So for, for me being able to work out at lunchtime and I'm at home. So there's a shower facility, of course, here, uh, it, it, it makes it much easier and removes yet another barrier uh, of the excuse of, you don't want to get up too early or you're just too exhausted at the end of the day. You can fit it in. Yeah. And I do that, um, you know, uh, not every single day, but um, these bodyweight workouts, like I'm I'm pretty athletic and I've done something my entire life. uh, And, you know, I never thought 15, a 15 minute workout would challenge me. But these bodyweight workouts, because your entire body is working, it's not like you're just doing bicep curls or you're just doing squats. You're literally doing you, every single muscle in your body is is working out for the most part for these bodyweight workouts. I am exhausted at the end of 15 minutes. I am literally exhausted at the end of 15 minutes. It's a great workout. And I do it in the middle of the day. It breaks up my day, you know, especially now working out from working from home. I get up at 12.15 or 12.30 usually, and I catch a 15-minute workout with a trainer. And my whole day gets reset. I get my workout in, you know, I can jump in the shower, like you said, right, right then and there and, you know, come back to my desk. And it's such a great, and, and I was doing it even actually, because I've been, um, you know, obviously building this platform now for two years, 
I was doing it before COVID where I would take that 15 minute and just um, do a quick workout. And it just really transforms your day. And it's very different, like you said, from doing it at the end of the day, impossible. There's no way I can do it personally, especially once you have kids. I mean, I just want to come home to my kids. I don't have time to go to the gym, forget it. Um, And in the morning, some rushing to get to work, you know, those days are gone (laughs) when you're like in your early twenties, maybe you have that opportunity, but you know, it's just not there anymore. So this middle of the day thing is such a huge opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And maybe even wrapping it all together for someone like yourself that really has a long day every day, you don't want to sacrifice your health when you're pursuing your passion and when you're pursuing success. So make sure that you have a period to get in the healthy living and and get your workouts in. So that's great to have the flexibility so that it's able to happen and it just doesn't keep getting postponed and postponed. Because I say all the time on this show that when you're doing something at the detriment of your health, that's the definition of something not being worth it. So it's great to be able to remove those barriers so people can stick with it. 100%. 100% health always first. Well, Ellie, I've really appreciated you being on the show. I think we've had a great conversation. Before I let you go, do you want to go ahead and give folks your contact information, where they can find you on social media, and then any events or promotions you want to let folks know about? Very easy. U-B-Q-F-I-T. It stands for Ubiquitous Fitness. Fitness everywhere, all the time. UBQFit.com is the website. You can certainly email us at info at UBQFit.com. And we always put out special coupons and special promotions. I don't have one handy right this second. I, I apologize, but... Um, but if the if the listeners send an email to info at ubiquifit.com, I can certainly provide a coupon for their first session for free. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll put all of your info into the show notes. And if for some reason folks don't find that, they can absolutely get a hold of me. And Ellie, I'll make sure that I know where to find you. So <laughs> through our network, we will absolutely get people hooked up with you to uh, uh, make sure that they get what they need. Well, again, I really appreciate you joining the show today and we'll be in touch. Thank you. I appreciate it. A pleasure. It was so much fun talking about all this. Have a great night. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to help us even further, visit suburbanfolk.com and you'll find a donate button where all the money goes back into the show for you. Thanks for listening. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcasting network with 12 other great podcasts. Head over to SuburbanFolk.com for links to their shows. We're also part of the Ring Media Network. Go to RingMedia.com to learn more. That's R-R-I-N-G Media.com.